Hello. Hey. <laughs> yeah, so uh, on Thursdays, I usually try to think back on like, have I done anything this week? Yeah. At all? And I remember, I felt like I'd done nothing. I was just kind of milling about. <laughs> I've, done nothing, I've done nothing new. I've done work on things that have that, that, that cannot be represented in this show in any reasonable way. I haven't experienced anything new. I haven't been anywhere, done anything, watched or played or listened to anything. Um, you know, I've just continued to watch Star Trek The Next Generation. That There's nothing to be said about that. You know, I'm, I mean, I've watched maybe four or five episodes from within season five. There's nothing new I can say about that. Um, nope. Nope. I, I, I come here with nothing to offer. So... But that's good. We can do a short podcast, and then we can get on with our lives. Yeah. I mean, one thing I did do that I kind of remembered, I didn't do it for this show. I didn't really do it for anything other than my own curiosity, which is that I tried the demo for Overload. It's, uh, I think it's like a crowdfunded, maybe, a spiritual successor to Descent. These are Descent uh, 1, 2, and 3 were 90s first-person shooters on the PC, okay. which were uh, this... You know it's a niche style of game when the name of the genre feels just terrible. What, first-person shooter? No, it's a... It, it, this is a specific type of first-person shooter that no one makes anymore. That's why oh. the original creators from the 90s got together to crowdfund a spiritual successor. Because okay. nothing like this has been made since the 90s. So it's a, okay. a six degrees of freedom shooter. Oh, I oh that's so familiar. I've Oh, that's right back at the back of my brainy box. Yeah, so what, you, was, what was that? Uh, you, you fly around in a ship in a zero gravity environment. And it, it's you go up and down and uh, spin around and go all over the fucking place and it's very disorienting and uh, it's a completely different style of uh, shooter because it's uh, basically from the dawn of uh, 3D because it's like, okay, we've now made shooters where you're a man who walks around on the ground. What if we made a game where it's zero gravity, you fly around on like a rock colony or something well what i'm gonna do to fully understand what you're trying to tell me is i'm going to look at some gameplay footage of descent yeah and you could also go and look at overload afterwards because it's basically exactly the same because it's the same music composers even <laughs> oh brilliant it's the same game designers the same everything and so what i'm looking at what i'm looking at at the moment is what I would estimate is a sort of Quake era um, approach to the corridor shooter. Literally, corridor shoot, you know, boxed in, walls on all sides. But yes, sure enough, you seem to have full control over the camera and be able to fly. If there is a hatch in the ceiling or in the floor, you can go up or down it. I quite like the look of this, actually. Yeah. So on Steam, there's uh, a overload playable teaser. Uh, they they released it first um, like years ago as like a I guess a pitch or something for their um, crowdfunding, mm-hmm. and then they updated it several times. And the game uh, this year in like May came out in its final version, and they uploaded the play uh, updated the playboard teaser. And I mean I like the sound, 
But I'd never heard of this game until like a couple of weeks ago. Right. Because some people released uh, one of the games of this genre, uh, Forsaken. It was one of the very last ones that came out in like uh, 98, 99. Uh-huh. So they released a... Uh, remastered version of it uh, on uh, PC and Xbox One and I watched some YouTube uh, reviews of it and then one of the videos I watched mentioned just as an aside that oh yeah Overload exists (laughs) (laughs) so I went and tried it and it only has maybe 20 minutes of actual content in it the playable teaser but there's like an uh, arena wave uh, arcade mode uh, called challenge mode where you just fight infinite waves of enemies and i play that for two hours <laughs> wow so i'm looking at the yeah i'm looking at gameplay now of, of overload and yeah it looks precisely like the video of descent that i saw now having not played descent i you know i don't have the uh it's not ingrained into my brain so i don't know what might be wrong about it the only thing i can see that appears different at a glance is that the the lasers that you're firing seem quite slow. They seem to move quite slowly away from you mm. compared to the older game, which I can only assume is for a reason, some kind of tactical thing about, or or some game feel thing about like the, the, the break between when you fire and the, when the thing connects. Yeah. Do you um, have any feeling about that, or am I just wrong about it? No, you're probably right. It's been a while since I played the originals, so this might just have been... Uh, they're the developer's preference at this time. So, well, that's right, because they, yeah, it's obviously yeah. deliberate, because they could just make it that it immediately connects. Um, I just, it, the reason I, I, perhaps the reason I noticed it is that uh, my most recent spiritual, success, uh, spiritual successor kickstarted game was, uh, that I played was Satellite Rain, hmm. um, which was the spiritual successor to Syndicate, and turned out really in the end to be a, a massive disappointment. Um, it kind of looks very promising. And then the more you play it, the more you realize you're waiting for the good stuff to start. And then you Google it and you find out that not only is the good stuff not going to start, but that the good stuff was promised and never delivered. Oh. Um, such as, for instance, uh, one of uh, a really important part of the game is cars, being able to get into and blow up cars. Um, and you just can't because apparently it was in a beta. It didn't work. So they took it out. Everyone expected it to end up back in when they fixed it. They never did. Um, and basically all the threads that I found about it, even the nice ones, the one, you know, the supportive ones, because it's not like an awful, terrible game or anything. Mm. And it's not one of those games that the nerds turned against. But all the threads about it did end with phrases along the lines of, no, they've abandoned the game now. This is it. Um, yeah. So I think that with that head on, I'm sort of looking for what's wrong with this? Where are the disappointments? And no, it seems just to look at. It seems about right. Yeah, they they haven't gone crazy or done anything ambitious. They just made the old game again, and yeah. th- there were three decent games, and uh, they all had different composers. So for this game, they got all three composers back to make <laughs> music for the new game. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, and these are um, the same people who worked on the Free Space games. Because uh, the first Free Space game was called Descent Colon Free Space. So these were space shooters uh, like the X-Wing games and such. And I I think uh, Free Space 2 was the best game in that genre. Came out in 99 and the genre died with it. And nothing as good was ever made again. 
mm. still waiting on someone to make a spiritual successor to Free Space. Uh, because what happens when everyone makes a space game now, they want to make it like a space simulator. And that's incorrect. Like everyone makes like, uh, decides that like, oh, we're going to simulate the whole universe. We're going to make a massive multiplayer online game. We're going to have Newtonian physics and uh, loads of different systems you can jump between and such and like that mm-hmm. wasn't how free space played at all first off right. it was all make-believe physics because they made a game that was fun not a simulator yeah and uh, that's then... important that is important i know it sounds good to say like oh we need newtonian physics or whatever but it's kind of the equivalent of you know if they made a new mario game but he could only jump as high as is physically possible for a person yeah like, no that's not that's not what, that's not what's good and it's a difference between like call of duty and arma where like one of them is a soldier simulator which uh, means that it's well i have a friend who's a fan of arma and it's like yep <laughs> he's the kind of person who would appreciate this but for anyone who's anything like like who plays with a gamepad? Who yeah? Like plays because they want to have fun or anything. They're like uh, who doesn't want to sit around like in something like driving a jeep for thirty minutes to get to the objective and then die in one second because it's a simulator. <laughs> I suppose that's an accurate soldier representation, but yeah, <laughs> that a friendly game. I feel like that's. What happens when you make something with like Newtonian physics and a simulator? Or it's like, yeah, sure, it's accurate, but it's really boring. And uh, yeah, even like Star Citizen, there they promise like, oh, we're gonna have a single player campaign that's like Wing Commander. And I felt like, oh, that's good. That's the first time someone's made something that I like in the space genre forever. Mm-hmm. And then we're gonna make the massive multiplayer online aspect that's taken pretty much all their development time. And I feel like, yeah. no, I don't care about that at all. Wait, make yeah. one or the other, but no, they're going to do both. So th- that's all I want from it. I, I want the what Squadron 52 or whatever it's called. Th- that's the single player yeah. part of uh, Star Citizen. But the- you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really resisting a yeah. big part of my brain that wants to complain. And I'm not making this complaint. I'm deliberately, carefully not making this complaint. But my brain wants to talk about how our games used to be about fun and now (laughs) they're about and then insert some other thing. And it's probably just that I'm older because I've had fun with games a lot recently. But whenever you do get sort of games where the at least the advertising focus is like how grim it is or how violent it is or what have you, I miss I miss things when things were silly Um and it kind of looks like this is a, a successful throwback to when things were just silly fun. Yeah, because this felt really good. I, I'm glad they put the arena kind of wave action mode in it because that's kind of a, just a pure test of the mechanics of the game because it's all focused on just like uh, moving around an arena. So there you have to have movement that feels good Otherwise, it's really boring, and you have to have AI that's kind of very flexible for it to work and to not feel repetitive. And mm-hmm. they have they have like meaningfully different kinds of enemies, uh, even though they're all kind of just droids. <laughs> yeah. They've come up with good ones, and that's what they had in the original as well. Uh, they had unusually good AI in it because they had enemies that intentionally kind of 
they spotted you, then they ran away, then they hid somewhere in the next room and uh, tried to hit you in the back. <laughs> and you really noticed it, that they were devious pricks. <laughs> anyway, so when I was playing Overload, I was playing with a keyboard and mouse. You can play it with a gamepad, that's just fine, but this is feels this is 90s style so yeah it, this the, the videos that i'm looking at I, I rarely do i see a game that's more definitely designed for control with a mouse it's because you're it's the mo the main thing you're doing is swinging a camera around that is the main function of the game yeah the the movement is pretty complex because you're moving in every axis and you can uh, r roll the uh, ship so it's like west for moving uh, up, down, left, right, yeah. so forth, and like w Q and E to spin. Um, no, it's uh, W forward, S back, space up, control down, or is it shift down? Whatever. What the <laughs> hell? That's really weird. Yeah, it feels natural when they play it because it's, uh, but it's a lot of buttons and. So it's... why? Well, hang on, then. So I'm wrong about the mouse thing. So why isn't it just you know, WASD plus mouse to? look around yeah but the when because it's such a complex environment when you spin the camera around uh, the axis of your ship becomes twisted so now you need to have a way to roll oh so you have okay. Q, q and e weird okay i mean i assume it's i assume it it must be the only way to do it yeah it, it all makes sense when you play it and yeah. you spin the camera around it's like oh what happened here i hope there's a way to roll the ship oh there is <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah so there is like a learning curve for this and isn't that by the way isn't that one of the the best feelings in in video games is when and i get this honestly this is something that is a big factor of like settlers games um where you go there should be a way to do this and there is that's such a good feeling yeah <laughs> and this is one of those games where it feels awkward at first but the reason i played it for two hours is because you of course you get better and better at it and then you get to the point where you're not thinking about the controls anymore you're just kind of intuitively moving the ship automatically via like a yeah. men mental telepathy but anyway because it's you move the mouse so much i decided to just try out all the different mice i have in the game to see uh, which would feel better because I regularly use like a Logitech uh, MX Master. It's a office mouse. Um, was launched like three years ago. It's, it has a really nice shape. You can uh, pair it with three different devices, and then you can press a button on the bottom. So I had paired it with like my PC, my Mac, my lap, my laptop, and I can press the button easily. But it's not a gaming mouse, and I have a couple of gaming mice. They're all old obsolete models. Even the MX Master is now an obsolete model because they released uh, the MX Master 2 like a year ago. So I have like a Logitech G602. It's a wireless gaming mouse. There's a 603 now. <laughs> and I have a, a wired mouse, uh, the Logitech G500S. I think it's the same mouse that you have, Dave. So again, it's an old obsolete model that's years old now. <laughs> oh, thanks. Oh, great, sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the one I've got. And so it's an ancient, obsolete, crusty old steam-driven thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're probably right. Yeah, because uh, 
I remember G- recommending G500S. I've got yeah G500S. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I've recommended it to you because uh, I bought it like ages ago. Yeah, and uh, I thought it was really good. So I've you... got absolutely no reason to to have another mouse, um, except well, except for the fact that the um, I can feel that the wheel is getting looser and looser. So it's going to be time to replace it fairly soon. But like, what I don't really understand, and 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 pardon me if you've explained and I've missed it, is like, why would you have more than one mouse? <laughs> Anyway, why have you got all these mice? Well, it kind of accumulated uh, over time. Like, I wanted a wireless mouse, so I bought the uh, wireless gaming mouse. And then I had a bunch of different computers, so I didn't want to have multiple mice on the desk. So I bought one that I can just pair with every one of them. So I have one mouse on the desk. Okay, so, but that's, you've explained very clearly there why you would have just one mouse. Why have you got any more? Well, I... I've kept all the other ones around because. Ah, uh, uh, you see. Oh, I see what the difference is here. Yeah. You're buying. Uh, you're buying computer peripheries when you go. Oh, this would be better. I'm buying them when I go. Oh, this one is completely broken beyond repair. Yeah, uh, and so I yes, do... I do. I do have old mice around the place, and they don't work. Yeah, I also have some old ones that don't work. I I tried them the other week. I have like yeah. five of them that I. They're really old, and they're all broken. And I should throw them away, but they're still on the shelf. <laughs> well, uh, actually, no, I'll tell you about that in a minute. But I did. No, I'll tell you about it now. I did do one thing that was new uh, this week, which was that I went to the tip. And I've never done that before. <laughs> I've never done it before. Um, because certain parties, who shall remain unnamed, um, took Abby there um, a while ago, years ago. And got really confused and upset by the layout of the place and, and sort of warned. And, and so it's been a kind of family legend that it's really stressful and unpleasant there. But it's not. It's just that, I don't know, it wasn't. It was not as was described. And so I just went and did it the way. What I, what I did was I asked the men on the entrance what you're supposed to do. And that made all the difference. And so, yeah, we've, we've thrown away quite a good deal of old mice, my old monitor, all sorts of things like that. And, and now... We're, we're free of mm. many, lots of old routers, you know, from different ISPs. Yeah. <laughs> Throwing Feels... caution to the wind there, because what if they've got my passwords still in their, their RAM? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the guys at the tip presumably uh, sell them to whoever pays the most, and I assume it's people who like to skim passwords out of RAMs that pay the most. No, they're they're thrown out to sea. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> oh well, in that case, what I've done here is actively evil. But in my defence, uh, it has been a giant psychological weight on my shoulders for about ten years that I have a flat full of old technology that doesn't work anymore and that I would love to get rid of. So, so it, okay, I've contributed to the death of the earth, right? But whatever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I feel better. So in in the long run it works out, doesn't it? In the long run in the in the in the long term view, it's better, isn't it? Yes. So anyway, uh, th- there's a difference between these uh, mice. Cuz uh, for example, the wireless gaming mouse it's 500 hertz. The wired Ooh. gaming mouse is 1000 hertz. Oh wow, I massively know what that is. And uh, the uh, this uh, multi-device MX Master is 125 hertz. So basically I was talking- it- 
Are we are we talking purely about the power input, or does it have some kind of effect? It's the frequency at which the sensor reads and sends a signal to okay. the uh, transmitter <laughs> and like USB hub and to okay. the computer. So so basically, every eight milliseconds, uh, it, this 125 hertz uh, mouse updates. And okay. then with 500 hertz, it's four milliseconds, and with uh, 1000 hertz, it's one millisecond. That's kind of why a lot of gaming peripherals uh, try to aim at like 1000 hertz because it's like, okay, <clears throat> once every millisecond is kind of good enough, we've hit, we've gone beyond reasonable in the update speed. For example, uh, the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox controllers, both of them, update at 250 hertz so uh -huh. every, every four milliseconds but that's like just the theoretical speed and but that but also you do want it a bit higher for a mouse than for a yeah you know, yes for whatever the word is for a controller a buttonsy controller yes <laughs> and with this um 500 hertz gaming mouse they have a switch for uh, called performance and endurance mode so when you put it in endurance mode it changes to 125 hertz and performance okay. is 500 hertz and it's uh it's pretty much a linear increase in battery life <laughs> right you go from like i don't know 100 hours to 700 hours battery life That's oh like exponential uh like there there's a uh, in the uh, successor to this the uh, 603 in the endurance mode, you have like 500 hours battery life. In in um, endurance, the the battery saver mode has 18 months battery life. So it's 500 hours or 18 months. Okay. So uh, yeah, it's a huge difference in battery life. And I guess uh, if uh, these office mice would, uh, they prioritize battery life because they assume that people just use like I don't know the adobe suite or excel yeah. or something with this and but there's more to it than this this because when i put the gaming mouse in the 125 hertz mode it's still much snappier than the office mouse so in theory they okay. should perform the same but they don't do it at all one feels like a sluggish piece of shit Whereas the other right. one feels like a, a high-performance precision device. <laughs> but you can see that the mouse pointer becomes much <clears throat> jerkier and less precise uh, when you switch between 125 and 500. Just in Windows. Just navigating like, oh, I want to uh, point and click at this thing. It becomes harder in 125 hertz. So it's uh, even though the monitor is like 60 hertz... If you were an idiot, you'd assume that, oh, of course, you don't need more than 125 hertz. No reason. Yeah. No, it's absolutely noticeable. And even between 500 and 1000 hertz, it's noticeable even with the mouse pointer. And so I played a bunch <laughs> of Overload. That's where the two hours came <laughs> from. Because I played match after match after match, and I switched between... The right. wired 1000 hertz mouse, the wireless 500, and then uh, the 125 hertz office mouse. And it was just fine, a lot better, and a lot better again. <laughs> right. Because it, it's like... 
there's differences in the, like the quality of the sensor because in mice there's like a sensor that r- r- tries to read like motion when you move the mouse and uh, on gaming mice the sensor usually reacts much faster to motion uh, happening and then the way the signal is transmitted the gaming mouse uses a different kind of uh, wireless dongle and so the transmission protocol between the uh, dongle and the mouse is different and they optimized it for performance instead of uh, well what they did with the office mouse mice so these are all Logitech mice, but the gaming division and kind of office wear division, they don't share technology at all for like oh. their sensors, even like the key switches on the buttons, the wireless transmission protocols. Like it's all different. They don't use the same software to configure them either. So they have like oh, a, a different software team. <laughs> How weird. And is this because this is about transmission? Yeah. Is this simply not a problem with wired mice at all? Pretty much. But there's still a difference there. Yeah. <laughs> because there is like a uh, there it's not as simple as the signal just going through a wire and uh, yeah. such there there's like a depending on how the driver works and uh, the transmission there because there's uh, there's a um, I tried to find out like what's what's the input lag on keyboards, and there was a guy I can't remember his name, but if you just search for keyboard input lag, you get a website that's like all text based with no word wrapping. It's the most basic <laughs> website that exists. There's like no different fonts or anything. It's just the the, the HTML that you can learn in one day, <laughs> and that guy made input lag measurements on loads of different keyboards and like even like gaming keyboards and like apple keyboards and like logitech keyboards all wired with usb there was a different like response time in just the signal being sent from like you pressing the key and then the different components it travels through on the keyboard board and then they whatever they do with the usb signal and stuff that is that's something i resolutely never want to find out for myself physically like i don't i don't want to know that would ruin keyboards for me i think yep (laughs) yeah i have a bunch of keyboards around and i compared them to and well i got good news even though there is a theoretical difference in uh, input lag between the keyboards, it's pretty much not noticeable. Okay, good. Yep. <laughs> it was really <laughs> difficult to tell any kind of difference between like a wireless Bluetooth keyboard and like uh-huh. a gaming mechanical keyboard with a 1000 hertz update rate. So I, no, I couldn't tell. And then... Uh, I, I watched some YouTube videos from like uh, expert uh, pro gamers, and they also said that you can basically use any keyboard you want for professional game gaming. It makes no difference. But with mice, it definitely does make a difference because Quake Champions is uh, Bethesda's kind of attempt at making like a online shooter, like a Overwatch kind of game, but. The only kind of properties they own are like like id software stuff. So they they made a Quake game, 
and I think they they made a mistake of making it authentic to old Quake games. So Quake Champions, it's a free-to-play game now because nobody bought the damn thing. <laughs> and uh, it's just Quake 3. And I'm a huge fan of Quake 3, so I really like Quake Champions. But it has the aesthetics of a game from 1999. So even though Bethesda owns loads of different properties, and this yeah. is a game where this in the story of Quake 3, it, it was just an excuse to have character models of any design they wanted. So it's like some interdimensional thing is stealing <clears throat> warriors from different times and dimensions and putting them in arenas and arbitrarily having them fight each other. So <laughs> that's the setting of Quake multiplayer. Uh -huh. So why aren't there characters from all the Bethesda series in this game? Yeah. Why don't why can't you play a Skyrim guy, a Fallout guy, a a guy from Prey or Dishonored or whatever? Yeah. But now you can play Doom guy, Quake 3 guy, Wolfenstein guy. It's own like id software games and like and all the original characters they've created feel just like 90s trash <laughs> like and is that what you feel like when you're playing it 90s trash well it has the positive aspects of like a 90s game but like the aesthetics it feels like someone inspired by like I don't know Spawn who drew their own comic <laughs> and just wasn't as good <laughs> and that's what they put in like a multi-million dollar online shooter and they're confused why no one gives a shit about any of their characters and why Overwatch is still popular and uh, nobody knows this game exists. <laughs> but anyway, mechanically, the game is wonderful because it's just Quake 3. They just made okay. Quake 3 again. And Quake 3 is one of the most skill-based games ever made. It has an incredibly high skill ceiling. So it's possible if you play a skilled uh, player in Quake um, 3 or in Quake Champions... You can lose like twenty kills to one, and like you only got one kill in by accident. You can be completely destroyed and feel totally helpless because you can really learn and become incredibly good at this game. And that's something I think they deliberately. I heard that they deliberately blunted the skill ceiling in Overwatch so that you can't get as good in that game as you can get in uh, Quake 3 and Quake Champions. And that's because they want it to be still newbie-friendly. So yeah. if you're a newbie and you start playing it and you don't have, like, a fancy gaming setup, you're using, like, you're playing on a laptop with a shitty Bluetooth uh, mouse or something, you can still have fun and enjoy yourself and not be completely destroyed. I don't find that to be the case, but I understand the desire, <laughs> the desire to make it be like that. Yeah, that's... Uh, from what I understand, the partial success behind Overwatch that they... Yeah, yeah. everyone yeah. I know who likes it, it talks about how you it feels less aggressive because you're not immediately thrown into, not like the deep end, but like a tiny little space with a master player who's just going to end your game before you even figure out what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm... I feel comfortable in Quake Champions because I've played a lot of Quake 3. So, like... All the movement tricks and everything, the even the map layouts are just like a mashup of like multiple mm -hmm. maps. It's like, oh, here's 
a couple of rooms from an old Quake 3 map connected to a couple of rooms from a different Quake 3 map. <laughs> right. So, but, I mean, I played this uh, last night with Favors because he's a Quake Champions player. And right. we, we played uh, uh, two versus two team deathmatch ranked. And we played five matches. We uh, lost three of them. And we didn't lose with us by a small margin it was like first to 100 kills and we got like 20 <laughs> and it was the i don't think there's enough players in this so you get matched up with like when we won we completely destroyed the opposition they were completely helpless and when we lost we were completely demolished by like two obviously like expert players were completely helpless in battle against them so anyway this is another game where i compared the different mice and this is where i noticed that for some games having like a high performance gaming mouse really matters because quake champions and quake 3 it's like it's a high precision game where like milli pixel precision and being really fast and accurate matters so here it makes a huge difference, but I also installed like Doom 2016 to play it, and there it made no difference at all. I, I didn't even feel different to use the Office mouse, because that, that's a game actually made for gamepads. So all the monsters are always at a different, uh, at a distance where they're kind of big, and the speed of the game is such that it it's kind of friendly to being like a bit sluggish so even though i was playing like I, I jumped into one of the last levels in the game i played on like one of the hardest difficulties and switching between the mice it's like well no this this makes no difference at, difference at all <laughs> and then i switched to like overload or quake champions and there it made a huge difference in my level okay. of skill <laughs> okay so, so it really is down to what not just what game it is, what sort of game it is. Yes, absolutely. Game, is it anything to do with like literally the code of the game and how it processes input, do you think? Yeah, it, that I think that might be a factor. Because yeah. uh, this is something uh, you really notice with, when you jump between games that like that just the mouse sensitivity with the, uh, between games will vary wildly. And like, well, and, yeah, and I mean, some some games give you a slider to affect that, don't they? Yeah, and uh, different game engines seem to treat mouse movements in different ways. Like uh, for Quake, in, like in Quake One, there was uh, some people really liked how the game treated mouse movement in that. So someone analyzed it and wrote mm. like a mod for like Quake Three, where they overwrote the mouse uh, input system to make it like quake one right okay <laughs> so that's like the same developers making just a, a different game and they completely changed how they treat mouse movement and this yeah. i noticed too i, I tried quake uh, series m3 as well and there <clears throat> of course it felt super snappy with a high performance mouse but the game isn't that demanding on your uh, mouse precision so it's like yeah made no difference <laughs> And, uh, of course, in the operating system, it's like, who gives a shit what mouse you use? <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, 
there it's more about like buttons and just the pure comfort i i tried using the gaming mice in uh, windows but i kept going back to the mx master because it has like a horizontal scroll wheel that i use i noticed that i used it all the time because in firefox when you have a lot of tabs it uh, makes it so you can scroll through the tabs horizontally and i I hit one of those moments where like I had so many tabs open that I wanted to scroll through them and then I looked at my gaming mouse and it's like oh there's no way to scroll horizontally on this piece of shit I guess I'm switching to the MX Master again <laughs> <laughs> and this is uh, one of the f- a favorite mouse um, for like video editors because you can just scroll back and forth in like the timeline with the horizontal scroll wheel so anyway I, I found it very informative and I I really appreciate now um, gaming mice more and like all the buzzwords that uh, <clears throat> the people who sell these kind of mice that they throw at you when you read like oh it's a high performance sensor it has a one millisecond response time because it's a 1000 hertz polling rate it's like yep yeah, all of that absolutely makes a difference depending on the game you play <laughs> mm. <laughs> and because all the mice I have are obsolete now I am curious about the, the most modern wireless gaming mice because they have new sensors, they have new wireless transmit uh, methods and such. So uh-huh. I'm probably going to end up uh, buying like an overpriced modern gaming mouse. Just it sounds like, it does sound like you are, doesn't it? Yeah, because I've been using wireless mice now for years and years and years and putting yeah. the wired mouse on my table. I mean, it, it was like a blight I know. in the corner I, of my I, eye. Who, the... I use a wired mouse, and I always have, yeah. and I don't want to. I want to replace it because the there's a very simple problem which having a wireless mouse would immediately fix, which is that I need to alternate between what side of the keyboard my mouse is on because <laughs> yeah. I game with my mouse in my right hand, but I can't type with my keyboard way over to the left because I've just got like a keyboard and, and mouse shelf. So I need to, because my because my table's stupid and it has a keyboard shelf, hmm. and so I need to swap them over for when I want to type, so that I've got mouse in the left hand, which I'm just as adept at doing. Uh, but like the key because because the way a keyboard is laid out, you've got you know your number pad and so on that pushes the main keys way over to the left. So I have to have my arms like in a really, and my wrists in particular, in a really weird position to type, unless my mouse is on the left-hand side of the keyboard. And I genuinely don't understand how it is that most people have it the other way around. Uh, the keyboard needs to be where my hands are, not. I don't need to move my hands every time I want to reach my keyboard. So, um, and yet for gaming, it's perfect because left hand go, goes on wads. That's great. Um, so yeah, uh, and of course when I do this. It um it pulls the wire of the mouse through the general gubbins I've got under my desk, hard drives and so on. Um, and sometimes that means that there's like, how do I explain this? There's like more or less loop of mouse cable, and I don't want it tickling my knees. So I need to, so I have to pull it tight. And then once it's tight, if I secure it with something like by wedging it between two hard drives, say that are on the shelf under the desk, then. It's difficult to pull it over to the other side. Uh, I start to fuss about it, which direction the, the 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 lead goes off in. All of these things could be solved simply by 
having a wireless mouse. So yeah, I need to do that at some point. Yeah. But it, it, this one hasn't broken yet, so it's not important enough yet. But soon yeah. it will be. Yeah. This it, wheel's it, going. And it's the very same uh, wired mouse that I used in my comparisons, and it's a really good mouse still. Yeah. When I played with it, <clears throat> it's a, a really good precision satisfying click feel and everything so yeah right. it's a great mouse still that's good yeah so anyway quake champions for for like old school like quake fans i recommend it for everyone else i don't really it's it's too brutal the aesthetics are kind of it's too 90s but if you have a bunch of gaming peripherals you might find it uh, really it might justify the purchase <laughs> <laughs> so anyway do I have anything more to say? I don't really. So what now? <sighs> I must have done something this week. I simply must have done, but I really don't think I have. Yeah. Um, I've read another book of Dragon Ball. <clears throat> oh! It remains good, although I prefer book one, when it was all whimsy. In book two, it goes to the, to the beginning of the... Um, uh, well... The best way I can describe it is uh, by referring you to a video by, um, what's his name? Super Eye Patch Wolf, I believe. Um, he's an Irish guy who uh, did a, a very good video about the uh, the death of the Simpsons. Uh, and from there, I went to have a look at the rest of his uh, channel. And it was all just why you should watch One Piece, why you should watch Naruto. And I was just like, well, no, I'm not watching any of this. But I did anyway. I gave him a chance, and sure enough, he did turn me on to quite a few different anime series that I would not have previously thought of. And he did three or four videos about how good Dragon Ball is, and it's why I'm reading it. And um, his description of the Dragon Ball series, he starts talking about how, like, okay, so the uh, so it's this whimsical story about this little boy, and then he he uh, and this is going to sound like I'm having a go at him. This is a not not a criticism of him or his approach, but it's just something that I personally didn't. Uh, f feel uh, any kind of connection with he starts to talk very excitedly about combat and he and he sort of uh, he emphasizes the the syllables because he's the the, the consonants because he's so excited about how it's about combat and fighting and i'm going oh really is it just about combat and fighting and yeah sure enough i'm now into the bit that's mostly about combat and fighting but it's a simplistic way of putting it when you, yeah. when you say that oh it's about combat and fighting it's like is it really it's really about people training for a fight tournament and then you, you, it's kind of just an anticipation to see like okay so who trained the best this time <laughs> yes and uh, that is what it is <clears throat> I don't really draw a distinction though I'm not I don't find that very interesting and so um so it, there's a disappointment involved in the fact that it's clearly going in that direction, especially since I know it is. Um, but even at, at least at the moment, as he's introduced this combat stuff uh, or training stuff, um, it's still always done with um, with a smile and with a bit of personality. And it, there's always something else going on that's a bit more whimsical and that I do like. Uh, and so, so far he hasn't lost me, although I'm not as immediately gripped uh, as I was in the first book where things were just kind of fun. Uh, now it really is about who, either who is the best or how good have you got. Um, and once once you've introduced that, the, the question is very quickly answered. And so the only thing you can do is it, continuously introduce a sequence of people who are a bit better than the last one. And 
two people into that sequence, I've kind of lost interest. Unless your ideas for how good these new people are are extremely unusual and weird every time. Which was one of the things I liked about Battle Angel Alita, which used, at least while it was good in its first flush, we used the... Uh, <clears throat> Because it's had a, a sort of sequel series that just carries on forever and is and is just an endless combat type comic, um, but there was always some new theme. So like the the first, I can't even remember who the first enemy she faced was, but then the second enemy she faced was like sports players, and she had to be in this sport now. So that was completely different. And then you got someone who had a a, a robot body that could literally like morph into anything to fit its circumstances or something. And so there are different ideas there i'm sure if i go and revisit that series i'll find it's a bit tiresome as well but um in this case it's sort of almost well it's the characters that they're fighting are a little bit like the kind of whimsical comics that i do like that i remember from when i was a kid the your, your beanos and your busters and so on where you had these gimmicky characters here in the uk we had these comics where it was like here's the character who's got a remote control that can control anything here's the character who can uh, whatever they draw is so realistic that everybody believes it's real and gets fooled by it things like that that's what you seem to have in dragon ball you've got this sequence of characters that have these gimmicks now unfortunately at the moment the bit that i'm either reading now or have just finished reading is about the red ribbon group uh which is presumably what things like team rocket were based on it's basically just a sort of criminal military uh and i'm not interested in that because that really is just oh these people have got guns and they're bad um however what i am looking forward to is that the the i'm, I'm reading this in these thick collections that are three of what used to be the books each mm. uh and this one which is books seven, eight, and nine, has on the cover this little witch riding on a crystal ball, uh, which, that, great. I'm all up for that, so I'm looking forward to that. I don't think I get her until the third book in the collection, and I'm only sort of partway through the first one, so I've got a long way to go, but it's something to hold on for, isn't it? Yeah. <clears throat> and you might notice that the, it isn't just Team Rocket that pretty much everyone stole the premise and all the characters in different works later on. <laughs> absolutely that's what i'm loving about reading dragon ball is how i'm seeing the origins of, of of everything and i'm seeing the not just the origins of everything but where they came from as well you know i am seeing like oh okay so this i mean so for example i saw someone post uh a uh comparison between i think it might have been a sailor moon character or some i don't know some anime character doing these kind of martial arts poses and then they were going like no way and comparing it to screenshots of Bruce Lee. Um, and and it's like, well, yeah, of course, way. Obviously, the, why would you imagine that they weren't doing that? But um, it's like that. So I'm seeing this and I'm going like, oh, okay, this is obviously from martial arts movies. I don't really know them very well, so I don't know which ones. But you can see that influence. And then you can see the influence of other stuff. And you're going like, oh, they got this from America. You know, like the fact that Goku's hair is a Mickey Mouse ears thing. Just stuff like that. It, it kind of, and that explains, you know, Cloud's hair and Sonic and all this other stuff that I've seen in anime over the years. Um, now that book that you told me about last uh, week, the uh, the girls' manga, something like Save My Earth or something. Oh yeah, please save my Earth. Yeah, we we looked into that, and you just you can't get that anymore. Um, I I suggested Abby perhaps get it in at the shop because you know it's an important history of manga thing. But of course, you see, it's for girls. And uh, I don't know. Uh, there was I assuming that part of the stereotype is that there's a lot of um, 
a lot of the manga industry is for girls. But I'm not so sure, because if something that's a classic for girls, in the way that Dragon Ball is a classic for boys, is not even in print and hasn't been for sufficiently long, that volume 13 sells for, as far as I can tell, no cheaper than £100, or or maybe it was dollars, because I looked up a price guide, um, that seems like an oversight. Or yeah. it seems like an industry that doesn't really care about its female readers as much as you might imagine. Yeah, so uh, you can check, uh, for example, Glass Mask is okay. another super popular manga aimed at girls. Uh-huh. As of 2006, it has sold 50 million copies. It's the second best-selling girls manga series. And uh-huh. um, I watched the uh, 80s, mon- uh, 80s anime adaption of it, and it's just wonderful. Oh. So, uh, it's extremely entertaining. Oh. And... Uh, but it's a series that uh, in the West, pretty much nobody ever talks about it. So I'm curious, like, is the manga, has it ever been localized? <laughs> the one Let's find out. Let's yeah. find out. Let's just look on Amazon um, and see what's there. No, I can find absolutely no sign. All that's happening is a load of Zelda manga comes up. Yeah, I mean... It's it started in 1976. It's 49 volumes. <laughs> That's and it's a real shame because for me, for me personally, uh, I may, maybe this is the maybe this is the manga equivalent of being like a bit hipster about like oh I only read the book or whatever. But I find anime to be um, when it's when it's an adaptation of a manga. It's like an advert for the manga to me. It's like, well, here's what happens if a committee, in the ordinary way that they put together a product, did one of this. But the manga is like, and someone came up with that. That's someone's personal work. So I'm usually more interested in that because I know that it's, you know, because I just know that that's the original thing and it's like the, it's what the ideas came from. And so usually I would like to read these things, but. I cannot read them on these manga reading websites or what have you because, you know, I mean, apart from the fact that you feel a bit guilty because it's probably not legal, but it's not so bad when they haven't localized it and you have to rely on fans to. Nevertheless, you're looking at a page in the middle of just a swimming ocean of adverts and stuff. <laughs> and you can have block it, but it doesn't make a difference. You have to scroll down to get to the start of each page. And- well, you have to get go to the quality scanner websites. There's so many of them that there's usually one where you can break all the scripts so you have only the page of uh, the comic on the screen. I mean, that's <laughs> great. That's what I would like, but it's no, I can't read. I, and, and I can't read ebooks. You know, I just can't read on screens. Ah. I just, I basically can't do it unless it's Twitter or what have you. Okay. Um, what I would love, though, I really, really would love, and it's a shame that, I, well, I wonder if this is available for like um, e-readers and things. No, I don't mean e-readers. What are they called? What a ki- what's the the generic name for a Kindle? Is that an e-reader? Yeah. Ah, uh, you see, I'm thinking because I'm getting confused because in my day, e-reader was the name for a, an add-on for the Game Boy Advance that let you scan in barcodes and play Mario three levels. Um, I may be wrong there, but I feel like that was what they were called. Anyway, maybe you can get this for those. Because um, I could read manga on a Kindle, you know, because that's the, the e-ink and stuff. But wouldn't it be great if you could tap the page and it switches between the translation and the original? Because I can't read Japanese, but I like the way it looks. And I like to I like to see um, 
but it's a very good written language for making comics with and i'm very jealous of them because our language is not as good it really isn't you can't there's it, it, it's not a surprise that our western comics didn't really invent interesting panel layouts until we looked at manga because it's there's something about the way you can cram it in that kind of helps um to 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 play with layouts but the thing that i'm really interested in apart from the fact of like whenever there's a you know when you've got a speech balloon that's small and they've had to cram a load of text in i'm mm. interested to see what three characters said all that in the original but also the sound effects the, whoever did in Dragon Ball, whoever did the sound effects work in it is so good that it honestly has had me convinced several times that he wrote his like sound effects in English text. And I'd love to see what they originally looked like, because the not only is, you know, it's not just a question of like selecting the, the text, deleting it and writing English letters over the top. They're completely different shapes. So you have to like replace the background art that's that that was underneath the text you have to figure out how there's all sorts involved and they've done such a good job that it looks not all the time but on certain panels i've looked at it and gone how could that ever have not been you know roman characters and i'd love to be able to compare the two pages i don't know where to go to find that to even look up a, a non-translated particular page of dragon ball yeah the, the closest i can find is like on google image search someone will have uploaded a you know a sort of 160 pixels across um, compressed JPEG of two pages next to each other, you know. Yeah, I, th I think I know where to go to like download like a batch torrent of the entire series raw in Japanese. That's, That's about much. it. That's <laughs> too much work. I don't want to have to sit through it like that. Yeah. So yeah, so anyway, I'm enjoying uh, Dragon Ball and it really has got me in a... It generally in a mood for reading comics because hmm. there's something about comics that well, look we've talked about this loads i am something close to depressed about what comics is right now because of the marvel movies and, and how it all has to be american superhero comics and we talked last week about how they used it would appear there used to be different genres of comics or they wouldn't have had to ban them the horror comics the gangster comics but now, if anybody wants to, and I didn't really say this last week, if anybody wants to make a non-superhero comic, they have to do it within the superhero genre. And everyone then goes like, oh, cool, this is kind of like a detective comic. So, you know, so if you wanted to do a detective comic, you might write a Batman comic or something like that. Look at Daredevil. Daredevil is like this constant stream of people who obviously want to write gangland criminal or, or detective or uh, like courtroom drama comics. And they still have to do it with a superhero there. As if that makes a lick of sense. Um, yeah. And yet, I was talking to Abby about this. Um, and she was saying that, like, well, one of the really interesting things that comic shop owners know is that actually the children's graphic novels, and not just the children's graphic novels, but particularly them, are basically about as big a market right now as the superhero monthlies. And that's so cool to me because... That is what I'm talking about. That is comics without boundaries made by... Well, obviously, there are boundaries in the sense that it's got to be suitable for kids if you're talking about kids' ones, but not the same characters over and over again, not the same you know, form of layouts. You can... Not the same art styles. And uh, I know there are a range of art styles within the superhero genre, but when it comes down to it, something like... Uh, you know, you, you, you'll never see an Asterix-style artist or a Dragon Ball-style artist drawing Spider-Man. And if you do, it would be a one-off gimmick. 
Whereas with these indie graphic novels and non-series graphic novels, that it can be anything, and that's so good. That's what I want. So I'm I've been I'm in the mood to read some of those, and it's only the fact that I'm still working my way through Dragon Ball books that I already own that I haven't started that. So perhaps next week I'll have some uh, comics to report back on. Yeah. Anyway, should we go? I think so. Yeah. <laughs>